Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken, episode number 383, recorded January 29th, 2023. Yes, we've done a lot of episodes. A lot. But today we get a new series mm-hmm. based on the newest uh, live-action series, Strange New Words. A new number one. Yeah. So our this first is our... Issue, I mean. Yeah. So... Uh, as always, I love it. I love it when they do comic book uh, continuations, and um, this one's uh, starting off pretty good. I have some questions because it's it's definitely setting up stuff that you're like, yeah, I hope this goes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is picking up with the storyline left off at the end of season one. Right. Yeah. So basically, it's, it's really feeling like a countdown to season two kind of thing because. Mm-hmm. This definitely takes place after season one. Right. And, and instead of it just be like, like a standalone kind of story um, that's just there, uh, it picks up the cliffhanger where Una's... Right, which, which uh, really surprised me. ...marched off the ship. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, how much resolution can we really have in the in this miniseries that, mm-hmm. uh, that they're not going to also cover in season two of the show. So exactly. It'll I be mean, interesting. I mean, it's not like uh, they're just going to come back from season two and she's back. <laughs> <laughs> she's first officer again and everything's fine. No, they're going to they're gonna show how they get her back, and that seems to be what this is, right. this comic book. I have a little asterisk in the first episode. To find out how Uno came back, read <laughs> issues one through five of... Strange New Worlds. Exactly. So, ah, we'll see. And what I really loved about these new issues is seeing the new Enterprise for the first time mm. in comic book form. Uh-huh. So beautiful. Oh, there's some... Especially in issue two, there's some battle scenes and stuff going on. Not to spoil anything. But sure. uh, there's multiple really pretty drawings of the Enterprise in, in battle. Right, yeah, looks yeah, there, nice. There, there's at least three specific sh- uh, drawings that are really, I think, are really good. Yeah. So is that enough teasing? Should we just uh, actually get into the Let's story? do it. Let's do it. We've teased enough. Okay, so I'm doing issue number one. So this is titled The Illyrian Enigma, and of course that's the whole thing. So the whole four, it's, I think it's four issue mini miniseries. And uh, it's all the Illyrian Enigma. This is the first one. Published date, December 2022. The writers are Christian Bayer and Mike Johnson. Artist, Megan Levins. Colorist, Charlie Kirchhoff. Letterer, Neil Yataki. Senior editor, Heather Antos. Editorial assists, Vanessa Rial. And we've got uh, five covers. Five, five, five. And... Um, the first one is a great establishing cover because uh, it features uh, Pike 
and the other eight main members of his crew. So it's pretty much their heads and, or head and shoulders kind of drawings. Uh, and they're all arrayed on the bottom half of the comic. Uh, in the middle is the beautiful Enterprise in all of her glory. And then at the top is the Star Trek Strange New World series title and the issue or the, uh, uh, the story title of the miniseries, The Illyrian Enigma. And that covers by Megan Levins. Cover B features uh, Pike standing on a strange new world's surface with the Enterprise flying high above him. Um, and a lovely, colorful space scene is in the background with several heavenly bodies and a reddish ribbon of red gas. And that covers by Jake Bartok. Cover C is one of my favorites. It's a nice little light-hearted drawing of Pike that focuses on his prodigious head of hair. The drawing style is uh, aligned with lower decks. And I don't know, is, this might be a sneak peek at the upcoming crossover episode between the two TV series. Not sure. But this is kind of a, a, a funny and interesting, maybe sneak peek at the future. And this covers by F- Chris Fen- Fen- Fenoglio who I believe is the guy that does all the artwork for the uh, Lower Decks comics. Cover R1A presents a serviceable drawing of Pike if he was being played by a different actor that never played him before. So it's, it's a nice drawing of Pike, but he doesn't really look that much like Anson Mount to me, but that's just me. Uh, Enterprise is on the bottom, and... Uh, and it's 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 colored green, which is very odd. It makes it look, you know, a little too Borg or uh, Romulan for my taste, but whatever. And then behind Pike's head is a another a green planet or moon, some kind of heavenly body that's also colored green, kind of like the Enterprise. And the cover is by Liana Kangas. Um, cover R one B is. Uh, Cover R1B features um, a very uh, accurate-looking drawing um, of the of the actors and the Enterprise, and it features uh, Ahura, Pike, Number One, Doctor Umbega, and Nurse Chapel, and that cover is by Megan Levins. And man, look at the pompadour on Pike in that copy, uh, that cover. So. Pike records a personal log entry that catches the reader up on the major events of Strange New World Season 1 um, that are uh, most important. So it's the Season 1 bits that are most important to this comic miniseries timeline or storyline. The main point is that at the end of Season 1, Una was taken away by Starfleet security when it became known she is actually a genetically engineered Illurian. Since genetic engineering is legal in the Federation and Una lied on her Starfleet enrollment application, she is a naughty girl, and all the excellent contributions she has made over the years to Starfleet is suddenly worth a popcorn fart. So, Pike and most, but not all of the crew, want Una back and think this is all BS. 
But instead of being able to directly do something to help Una, Captain Pike finds out from Admiral April that the Enterprise is suddenly assigned to a common transport mission that will take them to Robina 7 at the other end of the quadrant. April is apparently trying to protect Pike and appears to be fine with Una getting the book thrown at her. Pike promotes Spock to acting first officer until Una returns. Pike says they will make this milk run, as ordered, but he leaves the door open to learning more about the mysterious Illyrians in the hope of finding a way to help Una. At lunch, O'Hara, Ortega, and a dweeb named Walters are discussing the Una situation. O'Hara and Ortega says it's fear of the unknown on Starfleet's part, and Walters takes up the opposing position, saying Una lied to them all, and he questions whether he could ever trust her again. Very judgmental young man. Nurse Chapel approaches the table, dumps the dweeb on a false pretense, and joins the conversation. Chapel questions how Starfleet can accuse Una of deception when they know little about the Illyrian species. She has done a little research using readings she took of Una, but she needs readings from many more Illyrians to establish a sufficient data set with which to study. Later, the three meet with Captain Pike, Spock, and Dr. Umbega. O'Hara proposes that the more Starfleet learns about Illyrians, the more they will see they pose no threat to the Federation. Nurse Chapel presents some preliminary research findings based on medical stance of Una, but says she needs to scan more Illyrians. O'Hara proposes they go to a relatively nearby Illyrian colony and say hi. Spock reminds them all of the historical fact that another starship named Enterprise stranded an Illyrian ship when they forcibly took their warp coil, which limited the Illyrian ship to sublight travel. Captain Archer has his reasons for doing it, and the ship was eventually rescued by the Illyrians, but the Illyrians may justifiably hold a grudge. Pike gives the order to divert to Prilia, the closest Illyrian colony world to their current location. While en route to the colony, Governor DeKill himself finally replies after repeated attempts to get anyone to respond to Enterprise's repeated hails. The governor seems cool as he and Pike introduce themselves and make pleasantries. Pike proposes they speak someday, and the governor says that would be chill, dude. The channel is closed, and Ahura tells Pike that signal was not coming from Prilia. So the governor must be in a different location, but so far she cannot tell exactly where. Why the misdirection? Pike decides to continue on to the colony world. They arrive at Prilia to find it surrounded by a lot of asteroids in multiple unusually uniform orbits about the planet. Before Pike asks for an open channel to the planet, he orders a planet-wide scan. Ortegas reports weird increasing power readings from the asteroids. Spock conjectures the asteroids are part of a defense mechanism as a force field around the planet begins to form. Governor DeKill hails the Enterprise and expresses his surprise that they meet again so soon. Pike replies that he knows DeKill is not on Prilia and asks where he is. 
To kill says his location is unimportant, but what is important is Pike and his ship will not be leaving Prylia until the Illyrian known as Una Chin Riley is set free. To be continued. So they know about her, and she's been kidnapped. Or yeah. arrested, not kidnapped. Yeah, right. Detained, whatever. However you want to say it. Yeah, so how does he know that? It's like, I would think normally if you don't have diplomatic, well, probably limited contact between the Federation and the Illyrians, uh, a random governor wouldn't necessarily know um, right. that kind of information so quickly. I mean, it's almost like you're dealing with a Romulan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and and it's weird that they're, I mean, I, I've seen that episode of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, rem- I didn't realize it was an Illyrian. I did yeah, not yeah, remember they, that. They mentioned them being Illyrian, but I don't remember them saying that they were augmented and stuff. It's been a while since I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I always thought it was weird that they made Una one of them when they don't really have a big presence in Star Trek overall. I mean, that one episode yeah. and then now this. Well, yeah, and so they must have said, um, okay, we got to give Una more of a backstory. I mean, there were a lot of things we didn't know about her, including her name from from the Taws, uh, the first pilot. Right. So what what can we what can we do to build up her backstory? Um, and then they must have made this linkage to the Illyrians, an obscure little alien race that popped up on Enterprise. Right. Um, so I don't know whether that's retconning or just giving new information you never had before. So it isn't really retconning. So well, in all the expanded media, they they've always made uh, number one out to be something other than human. Yes, I agree. Uh, so yeah, even like DC Fontania, who was you know a show writer for mm-hmm. the original series, when she wrote the novel about Pike's Enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know, they she mentioned that she's, you know, basically a somehow programmed person kind of thing. Just that's that's a programmed person. Yeah. Some, somehow. Yeah, it was. I don't really remember. It's been a long time. But but yeah, she's somehow not human. She's, right. she's something other than human. She's and, not from Earth. And almost like who's more robotic, her or oh. her Spock kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So so I was happy when when Strange New Worlds again, made her something other than human because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, because that's happened in almost every media that mm-hmm. uh, she's been in. And each one's slightly different than the other. So. Right. Well, there's a, there's a great novel I, I listen to the audiobook version of where um, Una is with Captain April. So this is, for, you know, this is back in time. Mm. And, uh, and she's like a lieutenant or something. And, uh, and she, she's the main character of the book and it's very good. And, and, and they don't say she's an Illyrian, but you know, they, yeah. So they, again, say she's not, you know, fully human or whatever. But, right. Right. Uh, and I think that particular book where she was the main character, she was the hero. That was great. That was a great book. I loved it. I wish I remember hmm. the name of it. I was going to ask you, do you remember what the name was? I, I, I can look it up, okay. but I don't remember the name. It was a good one. So, uh, but yeah, speaking of Enterprise, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that Enterprise episode where they, they take, take the, uh, 
take the warp drive so that they can, mm-hmm. you know, stop the Zendi from right. killing thousands of people, but mm-hmm. he potentially leaves uh, dozens of people to, to die in a ship, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that episode because it's one of those, like, did he do the right thing? You know, mm-hmm. uh, you could definitely see where he did because, you know, he, he saved thousands of people. Uh, but, you know, at what cost? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just funny because that, that one episode is one of, like, the uh, catalysts with me and my wife, you know, because she's a big Star Trek fan, too. Mm-hmm. And she hates that episode. so ah. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, if you're put into a no-win situation, you're still, you know, the magic the magic resolve is supposed to happen at the end where you don't have to make that hard choice. That's how Picard and Kirk always get around oh, it. Oh, definitely Kirk. But then, right, yeah. uh, then uh, Archer, you know, he didn't get that, you know. No mystery thing at the very end that makes it all better it's just like nope this is this is what i did well and the stakes were so high i mean this was i mean the zindi the first weapon they sent was just the prototype that just took out a part of the u.s yeah florida uh, city uh, right um where the (laughs) follow-up machine was gonna i mean the full the full size machine was gonna take out the whole earth Right. So there was a lot riding on uh, on Archer's mission. And again, but, they were the only ship that went. I mean, it's like, geez, boy, talk about no pressure. So if yeah. something comes up like this, you know, it's like, well, I, I'm glad they went down that path because, you know, it's like watching a James Bond movie. You know, uh, he finds exactly the right matchbook in the right place that gives him the uh, the clue for the story to move forward. And it's like, it always does that. <laughs> right, right. You know, and it's all just so mechanical and everything just goes right. Uh, and it's like, well, that's not reality at all, which escapist fare is fine, mm-hmm. but I kind of like when they try to make something a little bit more realistic every once in a while. Right. And Enterprise definitely was the first one that I think really really dived into that i mean yeah there's other episodes where they kind of had to do a, a morally ambiguous thing or mm-hmm. by following the rules they they kind of did something that you would not necessarily agree with but mm-hmm. most of the time something came up at the end and they were able to break the prime directive without breaking yeah. it kind of thing right whereas uh enterprise and and orville uh i think really dive into when you have two bad choices you got to make one of them, and it's gonna piss off half of everybody. <laughs> and I was just like, "There's, there's," and that's to me how real no life situation. is. No one situation. That's how real life is. You're gonna, you can't make everybody happy yep. all the time. Another show that was really good with that is Torchwood. Oh man, maybe to the extreme. Yeah, that one episode where, uh, and of course, Torchwood is a is a BBC TV series, a spinoff from Doctor Who. I'm sure. Whoever's listening to this would know that, but uh, there was one episode in particular that was like, I think it was the first season, that's like, you know, you know, these guys, you know, like five or six pe- person team, and they're dealing with all these, you know, weird things coming through the, uh, you know, basically the Hellmouth, like a Buffy the Vampire Hellmouth coming through every once in a while. And they're able to take care of everything, but not in this episode. So something was actually taking children. And in the end, they couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> That's how it ended. It's like they tried to do something about it, but they just didn't. They didn't have the power to to stop this thing. Right. Um, I, I thought you were going to bring up the uh, the miniseries where 
Oh, that one. Captain Jack has to That's kill right. his own grandkid in order to save all the other kids on in on Earth. That's right. Well, that was an extension of the same idea from the episode, yeah. I think. Yeah, you know, with Children of Earth. Right. That right. series. Yeah. I think that's the one that has uh, Nina Visitor in it. Uh, oh, so is she in there? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that one, that yeah, that particular miniseries was cool because they were trying to make, uh, I don't remember, some cape, some U.S. cable channel was funding it too. So they were trying to make it into a, you know, more of an international kind of show. Right, right. And it didn't work out, but oops. <laughs> So, anyways, back to this issue. Yes. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I just like to shout out to Enterprise as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get that very often. No. Uh, so, overall, what did you think of the artwork, um, both the the humans and the uh, the ships? Well, like I said before, I think uh, I think the artwork was very good. Megan Levins is that who did the artwork? I think that's that's her. Right. Um, the ships look particularly good, especially in the next issue, as I mentioned before. But the actors in general are very, very well drawn. Um, their bodies look like they're, you know, pretty, pretty good proportioned uh, of the, uh, you know, the, the real actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked up that uh, a picture of an Illyrian, um, and I'm comparing that to the drawing, and it's like, yep, those weird ridges. Right. Uh, head ridges. Um, it looks looks pretty accurate. Um, everything looks good. I like it. Yeah. No, I agree. And all the backgrounds and stuff, the bridge looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Spock's haircut in Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. but <laughs> she drew it perfect. That That is what his hair looks like. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm not a fan. What about it don't you like? I don't know. It's just poofy on the sides, I guess. Maybe oh. that's what... That's bothering me. I don't okay. know. But just anytime I see him on screen, I'm just like, "Oh man, get a haircut, man." <laughs> 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 Whereas Pike also has some questionable hairstyle, but I love it. I love that big, big poof at the top. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Okay. So let's talk about the Pike thing. But let me just say. Okay. Let's talk about the Pike thing. So <laughs> I've texted you before. I think I've verbalized it also. Uh, I mean, I just find it funny, especially earlier in the first season, what they did with Anson Mount's hair. So they really, they really leaned into the uh, pompadour there. Right. And, and I didn't realize that was what a pompadour was. But it's like something, something told me, is that a pompadour? And I just looked it up and, uh, you know, pompadour. And then it showed pictures and it's like, yeah, it's a pompadour. He's got a pompadour. Isn't that like a 50s thing? Yeah. I don't know. Right. But uh, that was kind of cool. And then, um, and then they had this strange, you know, the strange, the third cover showed the uh, cartoon drawing. And then it really, it just shows him <laughs> for like from the nose up to the top of his head. So obviously they're trying to make a joke, uh, you know, focus on the hair. And, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's, it's good. I like it. It's funny. And then Ortegas, I mean, she's got the, uh, you know, the shaved bald on the side of the head thing going. Yeah. And that's, you know, th- that's kind of cool. I mean, I know I wouldn't want that hairstyle, but, I mean, it shows some variety. You yeah, know, no, in, I love in the it. look of the crew, so I like that. No, and I, I, that, that to me was the one character that, her and Nurse Chapel, mm-hmm. 
those were my favorite two oh, characters, characters. Of, of season one, mm-hmm. and and I was mad that she, Ortega's never got a uh, an episode where it kind of delved into her story. You know, it was just like that. that she was like my favorite character aside from Chapel. It was just like I want I want to know more about her. You well, know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll find out. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah. It's only the first season and exactly. it was shorter than what like next gen would be. So right. And since they kind of paired up Chapel with Spock, I mean, you know, Spock's a very popular character, so you're going to get more storylines with them. Right. Uh, I will say one thing, though. Okay. The drawing of Uhura. All right. So she's drawn a little huskier, in my opinion, than, than, than the actress is in the show. I mean, she's not a skinny thing in the show, but... When she's standing, when they're in this episode or this issue, where they're drawing, she's like standing up doing a presentation or something. Mm-hmm. And they got her, you know, you see her whole body. She looks really heavy. Um, not, not like the person in the, uh, in the show at all. Hmm. Especially a little extra in the caboose. More so than, in my opinion, more so than, than the uh, actress. But, yeah, and I just maybe. wonder why. Or maybe I'm mis- mistaking it, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean she's not, you know, rail thin like no, no, some not of at other all. characters, but and she shouldn't be. It's she the, didn't look. The shell Nichols say never was. was. I see what you're saying, Ken, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I would think that it's more her outfit isn't. Uh, oh right, maybe right. isn't as form fitting as the other actresses. Well, uh, but I can kind of see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't. I have a screen capture of it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what page. I don't recall exactly what page it was on, but it's like, oh, she she looks big. And there's nothing wrong with being heavy. Uh, I am heavy, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's you know a little heavier than than I think uh, the actress in 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 the show. Mm. Anywho, another thing that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and this is this is not the. I mean, this is not not the producers of the comic book. This is actually the the TV show. And you probably know the reason for this. And you'll annoyingly say, like, you'll probably just annoyingly react to what I'm saying. It's like, oh, well, Ken, don't you realize, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so Ortega and the Navigator, uh, they both got red on. Mm-hmm. So that's traditionally engineering and support, you know, security, that kind of thing. And Sulu and Chekhov were always in command gold. And so I didn't notice it until, quite frankly, this morning. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. What, 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 why is the, uh, the pilot and the navigator in red? Hmm. Is that, um, that, well, it's totally inconsistent with Taws. Right. So, I mean, uh, you know, Pike is in gold. Okay, command gold. And then Spock is in blue. So sciences and medical. Um, but what's the deal with Ortega and, and the navigator? Lady. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I didn't notice it either until oh. you just mentioned it. Okay. So maybe there's a good reason for that, but I mean that was a conscious decision. So, right. I uh, guess the, maybe they wanted uh, Una and Pike to really pop when they're on screen. Uh, could be. Could be. And, and, and really, when you think about it, what makes the pilot and the navigator command? Right. I I could see that being just as easily engineering support. Sure. Sure. So. But I just, just inconsistent with Taws. And this is supposed to only be, what, 10 years before Taws? 
or whatever. Uh, yeah, like eleven years. Yeah, yeah. something like that. So, yeah, good point. Okay. So uh, it's been a while since I've watched uh, Strange New World season one, mm-hmm. but what what happened to um, the Nunians sung? Ah, exactly. Did she did she stay on the ship too, or did she leave? I, you know, okay, so this is great. Now, I brought this up in the second issue, but yes, yeah, so both issues do not have her at all. Right. And, and, and quite frankly, my point was, um, she was, she was t- temporary first officer in the first uh, episode. Right. So... And and when Pike comes onto the Enterprise, he was saying, "Oh, I just thought you'd be first officer, Spock." But it's it's Noonien, it's the security officer, Noonien, whatever her name is. Right. Um, and it's like I'm thinking, well, did they do that because they want? Because in this book, they want to make Spock the first officer, so they're not showing her because right. she was first officer. So there's a precedent for that in the first episode of the uh, TV season one of the TV series. And it's like, well. Not really, because Pike wanted Spock to be... He thought Spock was going to be a temporary first officer, not this other person. So it's like, I have no idea why she isn't there. And then I did the same thing you just did, which is, is there something I don't remember? (laughs) Where she (laughs) went bye-bye or something? I don't think so. Well, I'll have to revisit that last episode on the uh, before we do issue three. Yeah, I I was going to... As I was reading this, I was going to... And preparing for the episode, I was going to go back and take a look too, but I don't think she went anywhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, she's in the comic book in like the flashback on the first page, but then she's not in the book anywhere else. So it's definitely uh, a conscious decision for whatever the reason is. And she's on the cover, or at least one of the covers. Right. Right. The the cool like. Oh uh, yeah, there she is. First episode type. Thing. Right, right, right. So, yeah, there she, I didn't even recognize that was her. So I'm seeing what you mean. She's in one panel. Right. When they're talking right. about a, what happened in season one. Yeah. And they don't have a chief engineer. That, that was another thing that I was thinking of, is that uh, as of right now, because uh, Carol Kane's not on the show yet, uh, in this series they can't have a, a chief engineer. Uh, right. So somebody else is, is stepping up, but we don't yeah. know who. But they're not getting any FaceTime in the comic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the the Enterprise took, or well, I guess it's the next issue. But, uh, you know, they're going into battle and, mm-hmm. and potentially uh, might need an engineer. Well, yeah. Or at least a, con- a, a consult or something so that uh, we know what's going on. But we'll see if we, that happens. Yes, we will. Yes, yes, we will. This would be a good issue to have, uh, you know, Scotty in it or something. Huh? <laughs> exactly. To explain why he shows up and disappears throughout the uh, continuity on on Pike's Enterprise. Yeah. Because well, he, he he is in the Enterprise War no- novel, the 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 Discovery mm-hmm. novel, supposedly canon yep. in the CBS All Access universe. Yep. Scotty is on on the Enterprise, and then when Strange New World starts up, he's not. Yep. So, so he comes on eventually. That's questions. So they're going to have, you know, mean event. I mean, if I'm sure they're going to do the full seven years or whatever. So eventually, they're going to have to recast Scotty when he comes on. I think. Right. Right. Okay. So, anyways, um, what else you got on this issue? 
Uh, I guess the last thing I just want to say is um, Boy Una's really got a disguise <laughs> as a human because the Illyrian, you know, they got a lot of like head ridges and stuff. Right. So she's, she's got some modifications to make her look human big time. Sure. And I very much look forward to, especially what we're going to see in the second issue. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to why Una's even in Starfleet. Uh, but Strange new worlds? <laughs> okay, let's wait till we get to the next one before I bring that up. That's it for me. All right, so you ready for the next issue? I am. All righty. So the issue two came out of January 2023. All the same writing and art staff as the one before, which is convenient. Um, it had four covers. Uh, the first cover is by Megan Levins and colors by Charlie Cherkoff. And it shows the Enterprise uh, shooting at a alien vessel. And then behind that, we see Una's uh, just semi-transparent face in the background. Uh, the next one is by Kieran McGowan and Sebastian Ching. And it looks like a what would be like a it reminds me of like a Star Trek paperback, but it has the uh, Star Trek Delta. And then inside the Delta, we see Pike, Ortega, the Doctor, um, Spock and Uhura. And then at the bottom, we see the Enterprise. Uh, third cover is by Angel Hernandez and DC Alonzo. And it's like the Enterprise in the J.J. Abrams version of Warp Speed with the, the lights going out everywhere and then uh, we see Pike, Spock, and Uhura. And then the last one is by Butch Mapa, and it shows it's a very colorful almost like a flag type look. I don't know. It's weird. But we have a yellow Enterprise uh, silhouette flying by and we see Spike uh, Pike's head in the saucer section, and then there's a blue one with uh, Spock's head, and then a red one with the horror's head, and then we see like little shuttlecraft silhouettes, um, and it has Umbega's, uh, Ortega, and Nurse Chapel's faces in those. So, so it's a very weird cover for me. The story starts just where the last one ended, with the Enterprise being pelted by hundreds of tiny asteroids. Uh, this is part of a trap uh, that they fell in. Uh, internally, Spock is confronted with his human emotions, but outwardly, he's calm and collective. Ortega's even comments about how glacially cool he is. He recommends that since the asteroids are attracted to the ship's shields, that they can just reverse the polarity, and this is borrowing one of Doctor Who's favorite methods, and this reversing of the polarity will cause the asteroids to be repelled from the ship. Pike orders them to make it so, and it works out splendidly. Immediately, however, they are attacked by an alarmed craft. The Enterprise is able to make quick work of it, however, and knocks out its engines. The captain of the craft requests a ceasefire, and Pike is able to convince the man that they are on the same side. They both just want to get Una free. The alarm offers Pike and Spock to come on aboard the ship to discuss strategies. 
Pike and Spock beam over and are surprised that they materialize in the captain's quarters and not a transporter room. The captain tells him that he knows that Una was arrested since she is not the only Aloran in Starfleet. He tells them that they might have answers on the Alaran homeworld, but it is forbidden for Alarans to return to the planet. Pike offers that they can go instead, and the captain informs them that the planet has an acid atmosphere that would melt the Starfleet suits and the human flesh underneath. Pike assures him that they can prepare for anything uh, when the captain cuts him off and says, Oh, let me clarify. You will not make it to the surface. And with that, Pike starts to materialize away, and then he finishes, but Spock will. And Spock, left alone, is being held at phaser point. Pike is surprised to find himself rematerialized aboard the Enterprise Bridge. He is informed that the Aloran craft has warped away and left no warp trail. Pike ignores a hail from Admiral April, and he orders the Enterprise to try and follow the Aloran course as well as they can. Later, Spock awakens from surgery. He hears the Aloran say that his modifications are working better than expected due to his Vulcan biology. He is told that there are legends that has always said that the first person to return to the homeworld would be a Vulcan. And then the final page shows Spock and he has a new rock-like skin with uh, white cataract eyes. And he's thinking to himself that he should be feeling something, either anger or fear. But he has somehow been changed. He now feels nothing. To be continued. Da, da, da. To be continued, yes. Okay, so... Um, yeah, so... So he was able to genetically, to kill, was able to genetically manipulate Spock that quickly? Yeah. And and not only that, um, now Spock's skin is going to be able to withstand the acid uh, in the air of this, of this home world um, that a spacesuit couldn't? It's like, how is that going to work? And then there's some kind of Illyrian uh, prophecy that only a Vulcan will be able to go down? It's like, wow, convenient. Yeah, that seems random, right? <laughs> it sounds, seems very random. <laughs> um, anyway, so there, there, there's... Uh, what was the title? Uh, Illyrian um, Enigma? Yeah, there's a lot of Enigma with these people. What the heck's going on here? So, yeah, so speaking of the genetic modification, so, I mean, if Una is being tried, is she being tried because she was genetically altered, or is she being tried because she lied? I think it's because she lied on her entrance paperwork to Starfleet. But if she wouldn't have lied, then she wouldn't have been able to to join. Exactly. And make all the wonderful contributions she made to Starfleet, yes, exactly. Doesn't seem fair. No, it's not fair at all. But when you when you start hearing uh, DeKill say, "Oh, there are many Illyrians 
in Starfleet. It's like, what? Really? Why? I mean, are there, I mean, I, I guess Una's motivations are, you know, probably the same motivations that supposedly most people have to get into Starfleet. You know, helping other people, being a part of something bigger than herself, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you, at least you assume that's what it is. But if there's a whole bunch of Illyrians that are in Starfleet, I mean, I mean, what, as spies? I mean, what, right. why? Are, are things that bad in, in Illyriaville? Uh, I, <laughs> it just seems like it's, a lot of revelations came up in this. A lot, things in the last couple pages of this book, things finally got moving. I think. Right, so. right. Uh, story-wise, things move forward quite a bit. So is is Spock now considered an augment because he's been augmented? Uh, right. I would think so. I mean, it was against his will, but still. Right, right. Uh, so, and, and you, well, you know by the end they're going to have to undo this because we know Spock is normal later in time right so they're gonna undo this it's just um i don't know i I really hate sometimes when stories do something like this and then somehow uh you know the magic reset button or something happens where they're able to undo it oh of course we could undo genetic modifications silly person well wasn't there an episode of strange new worlds where they were going onto a planet undercover and they got an injection and it changed their face and stuff to look like the inhabitants. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, is that considered genetic alterations? I mean, well, that, are, you know, that, is that's, that now an augmentation? Yeah. That's all good questions. I mean, it, I mean, when Julian Bashir was augmented, you well, know, okay. his, his, his face still looked human, but yeah, I mean, why is that illegal? And, uh, you know, well, okay. So the whole thing about Bashir, it, yeah. it it came it came to light. It became public knowledge, didn't it? That he was right. modified. Right. Uh, that's you know, uh, but but he let him stay. But he was ultimately let to stay in Starfleet. Right. So I don't remember the details of those Deep Space Nine episodes on why he was allowed to stay, but he was. And so, and I know this is uh, what uh, you know, hundred years later or whatever. Uh, but why is it that different for Una so far? Or is the way this is resolved, is that going to be, with Una, is partially the groundwork for why Bashir was allowed to stay? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. So, yeah, it, anyways. It seemed, I, it seemed to be I a just... pretty big deal when, when, when Bashir's... Uh, augmentation became public. Yeah, exactly. And my thing is, is you know, even like, uh, I mean, I, I haven't quite finished Prodigy yet, mm-hmm. but I, the last episode I watched was the one where uh, I forgot his name, little blue guy, um, <laughs> had a, a chip in his back of his neck where he could switch between different uh, genetic profiles and stuff and. You know, he would have Klingon features or Vulcan features or whatever oh, like wow. that. Wh- oh, have you not what seen What series it? was this in? Prodigy. I thought you watched it all. I did watch it all. Hmm. But- you missed that one. 
Okay, so one of the... Oh, wait, okay, hold on. Let's back up. Okay, so the main, the main character... Yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever is the Okay, name. so the main character is genetically engineered uh-huh. with uh, snippets from, like, I don't know, 100 different species, whatever. Exactly, right. So that's why he was not going to uh, be allowed into Starfleet, of course. Well, I haven't got that far yet, but... Yeah. Oh. That's what I'm assuming. Okay, I, I'm glad I stopped speaking. <laughs> yes, I got to the end of the series. Which right. took forever to, to, to finish. I mean, and it's a lot of episodes. It's just that they, uh, they delayed broadcasting them quite a bit. Right. Um, yeah, okay. Okay, so now, but now yeah, I know who you're But I'm with you. I, I mean, but I'm going to, it's basically the same point is mm-hmm. that um, would, would he now be considered completely ineligible? Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way he was created or also the, whatever that woman did with him on that planet so that he could. Switch in between all the the little seg- little segments that are inside of it. So I don't know. It's all it's all. I don't like it. I don't like the uh, that your face can change and stuff like that. <laughs> but I think it goes all the way back to Next Generation because anytime they needed to go to a, a Vulcan, when they needed to go to Romulus, Crusher was the one that genetically altered their face so that they was Vulcan. Was it genetically? So it wasn't. Um, just it wasn't prosthetics. Prosthetic. Well, and in in Taws, I mean, I think supposedly uh, McCoy did surgery. Right, I think so to, too. To, to 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 make you look like one of these different races. Um, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know if it was genetic. I thought that Crusher said that it was genetic. Or at least that's what I've always thought, right. which I always thought was a little wonky. Yeah. Well, Crusher has also made it very clear that they use uh, genetic uh, medicine to right. cure people. Right. So if you're using, if you are altering, if you're altering people to cure them of something, somehow at the genetic level, isn't that, I mean, it's not eugenics that you're trying to create a super race, but right. still, you're mucking around with uh, with human beings' DNA. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so where do you draw the line? I don't know. And, and and I don't think Star Trek's ever done a good job of, of defining that point for me. Right. Good question. So, uh, that's one of the things I'll be curious to see how the Una thing plays out. Yeah. Um, speaking of Una, the book I was talking about before was Star Trek Legacies, book one, Captain the Captain. Okay. I, I was going to ask you if it was the Legacies trilogy. It is. Okay. And the, the first the first book uh, was on April's Enterprise. Okay. Cool. And, and she's one of the main characters? She, yes. She is very much one of the main characters. And Captain April is uh, English. Or Scottish, Scottish. Anyway, hmm. he's from the UK or something. He's got he's got the accent, as opposed to him being an American uh, uh, black gentleman, as in uh, Strange New Worlds, or a big bearded guy as he is in um, the the Kelvin comic books. Oh yeah, when he's the bad guy, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thread. I think a lot of people thought, 
forgot I forgot about that thread. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Okay, so artwork-wise, there's three different shots um, of the Enterprise. Beauty shots mm-hmm. at the beginning, when the in the opening of the book, when they're when the Enterprise is having these uh, asteroids hurling at the shields. Right. So it's pretty cool, uh, nice drawing of the Enterprise. You're looking at her from underneath, and you're seeing where the shields are because these rocks are hitting it. So I really like the uh, depiction of the shields here. Um, and then the next time when they break free uh, and are speeding away from the asteroids, uh, that's yeah. another great shot of it or drawing. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then when the Illyrian ship is first firing at the Enterprise, that's another good one. Um, so really good drawings, uh, space in, in the enterprise. Right. And it's one of the only times where the, the shot from the book almost matches exactly the, the cover. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, one of the covers is the enterprise shooting at, uh, alien craft mm-hmm. and that exact shots in, in the comic. I mean, it's a little different, but mm-hmm. You know, very rarely do you get an actual scene from the comic book on your cover, so it's kind of a welcome surprise. For me, it was. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's from the cover. <laughs> yeah. Now, in this one, um, it's kind of like like the opposite way around, though. Right, it's but then like you reversed. turn the page and it's the but other yeah. way. It's, it's, it's the Illyrian ship shooting at the Enterprise. It's just kind of like a little reversed in right. where the Illyrian ship is. But yes. Just turn the page and it's the other way. Speaking of artwork, I loved loved the acid eating through the suit and Pike's face and uh, the little what would happen during these acid storms. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool, it was wasn't it? So gnarly. <laughs> so gnarly. But uh, but yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, if if the atmosphere is that acidic, then what is there really? I mean, I would assume all evidence or whatever that they're looking for would be eaten away too so it had to be underground mm, i guess or it'd be have to be in one heck of a tough building right yeah so i got a lot of questions about what what the purpose of even going to this planet is what, what are they expecting to find because mm-hmm. when the captain says that hey if we go to the home planet we may find clues why i mean <laughs> what clues are you gonna find she got arrested for lying uh, I don't really see what what they're going to find there. Yeah. You know, it's almost like they're insinuating that the original origin of the Illyrian uh, genetic uh, manipulation has been lost to time. So even the Illyrians don't know the details of why it was done or what was done. Right. I think that's what they're trying to get at. Well, they definitely know how to do it still because they they. Uh... They do it to Spock pretty easy. Well, this guy sure does. Yes. Right. So, okay. Good point. This brings up a good point. Is it the fact that they were manipulated ages ago, and now they have genetic tampering being, you know, being passed down through the generations, or is it because they're still manipulating people? Yeah. Because that would make a big difference. Right now, now, if they're still manipulating people, that would explain why the kill knows how to do it. Um, 
But if they were also trying to say this was done far in the past and, you know, all the reasons for it, you know, we don't know what they all were. Like maybe maybe they had to do it because uh, they had some kind of ravaging uh, disease or something. And they had no choice but to genetically manipulate their people or they would have died. Well, it's right. like, well, exactly. if that's the reason, then, you know, pull the stick out of your ass, Starfleet. <laughs> Let her in. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that goes back to that, that episode of Enterprise that, again, is pretty polarizing where mm-hmm. one race was dying out and the the slave race oh. was going to be the the dominant race. Right. And Phlox had a cure for it, but... He chose not to give it. He chose not to give it to him because that's, it, that's... Yeah. But well, it was also a genetic thing. It was Wasn't like, Pike yeah. involved in that decision, too? Or not Pike? Uh, Archer. Uh, Archer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was an interesting one, wasn't it? Yeah. It was really and that wasn't the only time, but was it? That that Phlox was, like, making, you know, life and death decisions? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's what I loved about Enterprise. And, and yeah. they would bring it up. Oh, we need to have a prime directive. That ah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I don't really have a lot to talk about this. I, I thought it was, you know, continuing the story. This one was a lot of action with both the asteroid trap and mm-hmm. the, um, the the fight with the the ship not not a ton of story just kind of continuing it and yeah. moving it on yeah you know something i definitely wonder about though is if to kill is trying to trying to hold the enterprise hostage until una is released then they really seem to be trying to destroy the enterprise <laughs> so if you're trying to hold the ship and crew hostage. I mean, all those many, many asteroids coming at the Enterprise and and reducing the shields down to 30%, and then once the shields drop, all those rocks hitting the Enterprise eventually is going to destroy it and kill hundreds of people. Right. Um, You wouldn't want to do that if you're trying to, you know, hold them hostage. I mean... If that's what I mean, DeKill said that's what he was doing, right? But he sure wasn't acting like it. Yeah, well, we know he lies. I guess so. Um, also, I think Pike was a little um, a little naive uh, when when he and Spock were going to just beam over, right? And he says, "Oh, well, he, we're both trying to get the same thing. I just have to convince him that we're on the same side." And it's like, well, you're being you're being a little, uh, you know, a little um, a little naive there, Pike. Right. Um, but I do like it. You know, the first thing Pike says when they're down there uh, after uh, to kill says, "Oh, um, I wanted to, you know, show hospitality or something." And then Pike says, uh, "Oh, uh, yeah, trying to redeem yourself after almost killing us." <laughs> so I like that. I mean, he's putting him on notice. Um, anyway, well, what do you think about the when he when he materializes and he says, "Oh, this is a a much better transporter room than we have." Oh, and, right, because he's in the captain's quarters. Sure. Um, I, I know that they've gotten away with it or gotten away from it, but 
I always liked how in Next Generation it was supposedly the first time they could do yes. sight-to-sight beaming. Exactly. And then so when the, when he says that at first, I'm like, oh, wow, are they going to reference that uh, sight-to-sight beaming is kind of rare? Um, but uh, but no, he's just like, oh, yeah. I just wanted you to be in my quarters so I could. Yeah, and, and then to kill transports Pike onto the bridge, not exactly. in the transporter room. So are they trying to say the Illyrians have better transporter technology? Well, I think they've Uh, done uh, it on Discovery and stuff now, too. I think I think that's just something that that isn't supposed to be canon anymore. That that they've had site to site transporters all along. Right. But if you did, then why would you ever go to the transporter? If you could just go from your room to the, you know, from the bridge to the to the planet, why not just do that? Exactly. And why would you give up using a cloaking device after you stole it? After Kirk stole it? (laughs) No, you'd be using it. Anyway. All right, and then my last comment was: uh, I like that first page where we get to hear Spock's thoughts. And he's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's talking about how he's full of emotions and all this stuff. Yep. And then, then you get out of his head and everybody's like, how are you so cool and calm? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And, and he even says a few weird things after, you know, Spock's able to do the job. Um, oh, that's right. Right. When uh, he kind of acts like he's second guessing himself or something and Pike's like, you know. Are you sure you're okay? Kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, they never talk. They never bring that back up. I, I've forgotten about that point. Yeah. So, so they were really leaning hard into the idea that uh, that Vulcans do have emotions, and especially Spock being young, he hadn't learned, you know, learned to properly balance all the stuff yet. And, and like most young men, you know, he's afraid of uh, making a mistake and. Well, that plus Annie had that huge mental breakdown in Discovery where he was basically crazy and living in a cave. I mean, that that's not too far from, from this time, so... Right. You gotta think that he's he's not completely sure of himself, like, like Leonard Nimoy portrays him as. Right. And I thought that was odd that they did that, but now, at the end of this issue, we see why they did that. Right. And isn't that kind of an odd side effect of this genetic manipulation? I mean, and why throw that in? It's like, uh, what, for drama or something? I mean, the point of the Illyrian uh, to kill's manipulation is that, what, to harden the skin or something? Make him acid mm-hmm. resistant? And yeah. then, oh, by the way, you also lose all your emotions? I mean, doesn't that seem random? Or, yeah, it definitely seems random. Yeah, and then I'm like, is this how they're going to, like, in season two, is Spock going to be more emotionalist and they're going to use this as their cop-out? Like, oh, it's it's a side effect of his uh, time genetically altered or whatever. Yeah. I'm hoping that's I, not, I hope the, that's way not the case. But it was definitely something I was thinking about when I read that last page. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I think all of Spike uh, Spock's <laughs> behavior... Uh, emotionless or with emotion, uh, and having more emotion as he as he was older, uh, was all all of his own choosing, all of his right. uh, just grappling with his human side, uh, balancing off to his cultural uh, 
Vulcan standards. Right. Okay, so that's, that's really... I don't really have anything more to say about this second issue. Nah, me either. It Looking was good. forward to the next two. Right, but since we're all caught up, because literally this just came out a couple of days ago as of the mm-hmm. time of recording, yep. uh, we won't have Star Trek for a while. I mean, right. we won't have this Star Trek for a while. So, Donovan, what will we have next time? So, we never did Lower Decks Issue 3, mm-hmm. so we have that one. It came out in December. We never reviewed it. The Count Chocula storyline. Exactly, exactly. And then we have uh, Resurgence Number 3, which came out uh, last week, so... Um, we'll be doing number three of that as well. Yeah. I keep on seeing the cover of the third issue on Amazon. They keep throwing it at me. Um, so that first officer's got a bloody nose or something. Mm. I guess things get rough on the, in the story. They were captured last issue, but they got freed, so... I'll be curious to see what happens. Well, didn't they end the last one we read where um, Dr. Brahms says, I'm here. Oh, that's right. They were still captured. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, that's right. Yeah. I'm here. I'm, I'm here by choice. Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. That's right. that's right. And then the captain, first officer, and about four more people all get captured then. And they have their... Uh, their uh, Force field bending serving trays. <laughs> tea still on it. Right. Yes. Very <laughs> shiny serving trays. Very handy serving trays. Yeah. Well, I'd carry those all around. All cool. right. So, yeah, that's what we're doing next episode. Excellent. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and see you next time. Be back next time. On the review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.